Welcome to our midweek online Bible study. We're finishing up our series from 2 Timothy called Training in Righteousness. This is the last lesson in the series, and it's coming from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Now I want to talk with you about receiving the crown of righteousness from the righteous judge. Paul writes, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, who will award me on that day, and not only for me, but also to all who long for his appearing. This is the last letter that Paul will write. He's in prison in Rome. That's across from the Roman forum, according to tradition. This was not a house arrest like when he wrote the prison epistles like Philippians. It's a much tougher sentence in a much tougher prison. It was a circular type prison with a low ceiling, stone floor, stone walls, and the ceiling itself was made out of stone. The prisoners were let down through a hole in the ceiling. There were no bathrooms, no showers. No outside light, no running water, no air conditioning in the summertime, no heat in the wintertime. Nothing but the groans and the suffering of the dying, the complaints of the living. Vermin and filth all over the floor. Notice in verse 6, Paul speaks about his departure. I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time of my departure is near. He says, I want you to know that my impending death is not a failure. God did not abandon me. Christ did not desert me. The devil did not win. This is not a defeat. It's a victory. I'm being poured out as a sacrifice unto the Lord. One time when the Philippians were getting discouraged because Paul had been arrested, he told them that Christ will always be exalted in his body, whether he lives or whether he dies. And continuing in chapter 1, verse 21 of Philippians, he declares, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's necessary for me to remain here with you. Paul uses this term departure. My departure is impending, it's near. I looked up the word departure, it's very rich in meaning and it signifies many different things in context. The word departure is used in reference to a prisoner being set free, released from the shackles of his imprisonment. He departs, he's set free with his freedom. Paul says, I am departing from this prison, not to be released and walk free as a free man on this earth again, but I am going to be free. I'm going to be set free to live with my Lord in heaven. Isn't that a wonderful way of looking at life? All of us, if the Lord doesn't return first, we'll all have to face our departure from this time on earth. I'm selfishly hoping that I will get the opportunity sometime before I die, and hopefully that will be decades from now. But that I will have the opportunity to, pat, to think about my departure and think that this is a fact that Christ not only set me free on this earth, but now he is releasing me, setting me free to depart to be with him forever in my eternal home. Departure is also used in the context of a farmer plowing his field. The farmer yokes himself to the oxen and plows the field all day long. At the end of the day, 
The farmer takes the yoke off his shoulders, releases the oxen, and he goes home to rest from his weary work. He departs from his work to go home. Paul's work had carried him far away from his home town of Tarsus. It carried him many, many miles away from the city that he loved of Jerusalem, traveled all over the Roman Empire. He spent all of his ministry yoked to the work of the Lord all throughout many parts of the Roman Empire, planting churches, trained disciples. Now his departure is at hand. The yoke of service is about to be unyoked, and Paul's fruitful ministry here physically on earth is about to end. But Paul had been a faithful farmer. He had planted many, many seeds, and those seeds produced plants, and those plants produced fruit, and those fruit produced seeds, and they multiply and multiply and multiply. And one of the reasons why we're here today as the body of Christ some 2,000 years later is because Paul was a faithful farmer in the yoke of his ministry unto the Lord. Paul's ministry was about to end. His service was about to be unyoked here on the earth. He's about to enter into the eternal rest of the Lord. And then one day he would hear after his departure from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. The term departure was also used by soldiers after a battle had been won. With the battle won, the victory gained, the soldiers pulled up the pegs of their tent to pack up and depart the battlefield to their next destination. The battle fought, the enemy defeated, victory won. Now it's time to move on to the next destination. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 that while we are in this tent, and there he's talking about our life, we sometimes groan and are burdened. But even if this earthly tent is destroyed, Paul says, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not made by human hands. Paul says, look, my departure is a victory. The battle has been won. I'm, I'm departing like a soldier to my eternal house, not to a tent anymore that can sag and be destroyed, but to a house and not just a house, an eternal house and not just an eternal house, a mansion built for me in glory by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. One other way the word departure was used not only in terms of a prisoner being set free or farmers unyoked from their work or soldiers after the victory in battle packing off to move on. It's also used by sailors to refer to a ship leaving one port to go to another harbor. There they are in the port, the harbor, and they untie the ropes, lift up the anchor. The ship leaves the harbor to go on its destination to the next place of arrival. Paul faced his impending death with victory because he was prepared for this moment. He lived successfully because he had successfully prepared for his death by his relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for Paul, his departure was a, like a ship leaving one harbor and setting sail for the next one. And in this next port, it was going to be eternal. Better than anything he could ever hope or imagine or think or ask for. His next stop will be at home with the Lord. Training in righteousness means ready, being ready for departure. Now look at verse 7. Training in righteousness takes determination. That determination is essential for training in righteousness. Paul says in verse 7, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, he's looking back on his life. He's remembering. He's taking inventory 
And he uses these three metaphors to show us the type of training to a life that's going to remain faithful to the end. He first of all compares himself to a determined soldier. I have fought the good fight. Now he mentioned being a soldier back in the second chapter. We looked at that a few weeks ago. Where Paul told Timothy to live the faithful life. And in living the faithful life, you sometimes have to endure to suffer like a good soldier. When Paul was called by God, he was told that God would place him before kings and leaders of the nations as well as the Gentiles with the gospel, but that it would require that he would endure much pain and suffering in the name of Jesus Christ. It's going to take determination to fulfill that journey. Three separate times in 2 Corinthians, Paul gives us a list of the different types of and events of suffering he endured as a soldier for the cause of Christ. And some of those, just one of those lists, would have been enough for many people to cave in and give in, but not Paul. He counted himself worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. He was determined. Paul knew what it was to pay the price to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid it himself. And we know that. From that experience, when he tells us that all of us who follow Christ, that we're going to have to suffer soldiers in the kingdom of God to advance the gospel. He knew what he was talking about. He's preparing us to be trained in that righteousness, to fight the good fight. There are some fights worth fighting for. And certainly this is one, the Christian cause. Some Christians want all the benefits of following Christ, but are not willing to defend the faith against false teachers or doctrine or sin and evil compromises. Or when the going gets tough, they get going. When things aren't comfortable and they become uncomfortable, they move on. They speak a lot about loving each other. And what they mean by love is non-resistance. To let things be. Don't cause waves. Let everything just be okay when it's not. Don't confront people about their need to repent or their, or their need to grow as mature Christians. Just let them be. Let it be. Let it be. Some Christians talk about learning to rest in the arms of Jesus, free from all troubles and anxieties. Listen, I'm all for resting in Christ, and that's exactly what we all hope to do one day, like Paul is looking forward to in his departure. We should all turn our burdens over to him, but it's no excuse for, ser for not serving as a soldier of Christ and fighting this good fight. The times in which we live... God needs for us to stand up, train in righteousness, and to be determined... To fight the good fight and not cave in. Some Christians have moved from resting in Christ to rotting in Christ. Because they're not doing anything. Kind of reminds me of Numbers 32 verse 23. And oftentimes this is quoted out of context. Be sure, I'm sorry, be sure your sins will find you out. What's the context of be sure your sins will find you out? God's people were coming out of Egypt. They had come through the wilderness. They're ready to occupy Canaan. But two of the 12 tribes, Reuben and Gan, Gad, did not want to leave the wilderness. They did not want to cross over the Jordan. They wanted to stay on the east side of the Jordan and did not want to journey to the west side, did not want to go any further. They said, this is good enough for us. We can make a living right here. We want to stay here and not keep going forward. And Joshua said, all right, but let me tell you this. When we cross the Jordan and we get to the land God has given us, there will be war. And when that fight begins, you must stop farming and cross the river and fight with us. 
But here's the verse. And Reuben and Gad, if you don't cross over and help us, you are sinning against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. In our training in righteousness, we are prepared and ready for spiritual warfare. The gospel is to be defended. The kingdom of God advances in this world through spiritual battlefields. We can't be content to sit back and not join the fight. We can't be content to say, I'm going to stay on this side of the Jordan. I'm not going to enter in. That is a sin against God and be sure your sin will find you out. Paul says, I was determined I fought the good fight. Paul said, I was determined like a well-trained athlete. I have finished the race. We all have a race to run. It's called the race of life. And man, sometimes it's not a straight line and it takes such unusual steps in different places we never expected, right? Look what we're going through now. Who, who could have predicted this? Hebrews says to run the race with perseverance, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, to throw off anything that would hinder you in the race that Jesus has marked out for you. When Jesus encountered Paul on the road to Damascus, he told Paul about direction. He said, I want you to get up and go to the city, and then I will tell you what you must do. He takes them one step at a time. And the race was on for Paul as a Christian. And what a race it was. And Paul says, I was a well-trained athlete. I finished my race. You know, last week we looked at Demas, who was a friend and co-worker with Paul, who did not finish the race. And we made the point that not everyone finishes the race that God sets out for them. And we looked at all the reasons why last week. It takes perseverance. It takes determination. Paul told the Philippians about his determination. I forget what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. And I press on towards the goal. It's the picture of a determined athlete finishing the race. Not everyone finishes. And not everyone finishes strong in the Lord. Jesus said, not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone finishes. How about you? I've preached long enough and experienced this heartache too many times. I've seen too many people I loved as Christians who quit the race for a variety of many, many different excuses. They never see us as an excuse. There is never a reason to ever leave Christ. There is never a justified reason. They're just a list of excuses dressed up to look like a reason by the devil. The devil wants us to think we're walking away for a legitimate reason. Remember the goal of the devil is to get you to stop, to quit walking with Christ so that he can kill your spiritual life. The devil does not primarily try to get you to go in the wrong direction. He doesn't try to turn you around. He's too clever for that. He knows. He realizes that he can't trick you that way sometimes. So many times he just tries to get us sidetracked. And if he can get us sidetracked, stop moving in the right direction, sidetracked onto something else, then the excuses begin to pile up. And pretty soon we've quit the race. Paul says, I have fought the good fight as a good soldier. I have fought the good fight. I fought the good fight because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life. He said, I have finished the race as a well-trained athlete. I keep straining forward. I'm forgetting the past. I keep moving forward because I want to receive that crown that God has for me. Then Paul says he was determined like a steward, a faithful, righteous steward. A steward is someone who has been trusted with the property of others. 
What he has does not belong to himself. He does not own it. It belongs to his owner, but he treats it as if it's his very own. Here's what Paul says about the faith. Here he is as a righteous steward. I have kept the faith. I fought for it. I persevered in finishing the course for it. I will not deny it. These Roman soldiers did not break me. Persecution by my own Jewish ancestors, own Jewish people did not defeat me. The church did not bring me down. Paul told Timothy earlier, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he's able to keep which I've entrusted to him against that day. I hope Paul's determination translates to your life. Be determined to fight the good fight. Persevere to finish the race God marks out for you. Commit yourself right now to never deny your Lord no matter what. And say like Paul, I've kept the faith. No excuses. No excuses. Now one more verse, verse 8. Paul talks about the reward of being trained in righteousness. Not only does the training in righteousness thoroughly equip us for every good work here on earth. Not only is it useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, but look at the eternal reward Paul refers to in verse 8. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will reward me on that day. Here's a good part as well. And not only to me, but also to all, put your name there, who have longed for his appearing. See the reward that's awaiting Paul? This is his motivation. This is his desire. This is his pursuit. I have a crown of righteousness, Paul says, given to me by a righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And not only that, I will have fellowship with the redeemed people of God, those who receive the righteousness of Christ like me when they put their faith in Christ. Those who repented of their sins, confessed Christ as Lord and were baptized into his name. Paul says all of us who are trained in righteousness. And will fight the good fight like a righteous soldier. Who will finish the race like a righteous athlete. Who will keep the faith like a righteous faithful steward. Will also receive the crown of righteousness. And be with the righteous judge the Lord Jesus Christ forever forever well i hope this lesson and this entire series has encouraged you to be more determined in your faith and it strengthened your hope do whatever is necessary to be trained in righteousness i encourage you to follow the link on this message in the pop podcast website to find all the other lessons in this series from second timothy on training in righteousness I hope that you'll go back to them and listen to them and follow along with the notes provided to help increase your faith and strengthen your walk with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.